0: You're listening to the Coffee Clatch Crew podcast with your hosts, Jason and Christina. Consider it your digital water cooler. I do hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Coffee Clutch Crew, The Stand, episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino.
1: I'm Christina Lomangino.
0: And today we take our stand with a preview episode of what we know so far.
1: That's right, we're back. We know it's been a while since we've released anything here for the Coffee Clatch crew. If you have been keeping up with us, we're still active over on Patreon. So feel free to check out our additional material over there. We have started to dive into the Stephen King world a little bit with Patreon episodes, which we haven't done here yet. But we are so excited that we're going to be covering The Stand, airing on CBS All Access beginning December 17th.
0: Thursday night's. Straight off the bat, so you're aware, we're trying to get screeners. We're reaching out to all the powers that be. If that works out, we will have a podcast ready for you after every airing. If it doesn't work out, which chances are it won't, we will be watching the show alongside you. When we can, we'll do instant coffee episodes to fill you in on our thoughts. And then a few days later, you'll get the full episode review.
1: Yeah, we still don't have all the information yet because it's early, so we don't know what time it's going to be airing Thursday nights, but if you're checking your calendar, Thursday nights this year are the holiday eves, so Mm. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. That is excellent for watching, especially in a time where we don't have a lot going on socially, but it's terrible for podcasting. Yes. I mean, we just can't record on Christmas Eve, but we're going to get them out to you as soon as possible. And once we get some new information, we will keep you updated. We do know it's going to be 10 episodes. And that's sort of the purpose of this cast. We're going to go over the information we have so far, in general, about the TV show, our CKC structure, what format we're going to follow, and then we'll get into an exciting trailer review because for a while, all we had was that 30-second teaser trailer that really told us nothing. It just got us excited about it. But recently, they have released a full two-minute trailer. And that gives us a lot more information. We're going to take a look at the important points from that, as well as what we know about the new cast. We'll do a quick comparison between the 1994 miniseries and this 2020 version and what we think about it. And we'll end off talking about what we want from this series. What are we hoping to see? Now, we're going to try to keep this brief. And even when we get into our episode reviews, which will be a full breakdown of each episode, there's bound to be a ton of information that we are not able to cover. This is one of Stephen King's longest books, my favorite. And having read it a ton of times, we will be able to flesh out the background a little bit more. But we're going to be upfront with you. We are not a Stephen King exclusive cast. We definitely aren't the last word on all things King.
0: Of course. And like anything, and we say this in all of our podcasts, we don't know everything. We don't have special knowledge. But what we do provide is a digital water cooler for you and your friends and all of our clatchers to get together and have a discussion about our favorite shows. Inevitably, we will make mistakes, but we will do our best to have information presented correctly and have fun. That's the most important part. But just a little bit of a warning. Christina and myself have seen the 1994 version of the show, and Christina has actually read the books as well. So we know a lot about this story. And just in case some of you are coming here as first-time watchers, there are minor spoilers throughout this episode as we discuss the characters from the 94 version and how they may be depicted in the 2020 version.
1: If you don't want to know anything about the story, it's definitely going to be more than minor spoilers. We are reserving any big plot elements. We definitely did not talk about where it's going to go, or big things that you could be surprised by, or stuff you might have forgotten, even if you watched the 94 series a long time ago. So for most people, I think you are completely fine to listen to this episode. Once we get to the episode reviews, we are going to include spoilers from the original source material, but we will save anything for the next on episode for a spoiler section.
0: Right. What she means by that is we will only discuss that specific episode we won't discuss future episodes. Correct. Feel free to listen to this podcast. And if you don't want anything, any spoilers, just stop it once you get to our breakdown of the characters.
1: Yeah, if you just want an overview and a should I listen, should I watch, which I'll tell you right up front, absolutely to both. Yes, (laughs) this is going to be a lot of fun. But as we mentioned, we just can't wait for this. This is a property we have been dying to see come back to television again. And hopefully it looks like it's going to be done well. It's going to be done right. So let's start out by saying, of course, this is based on Stephen King's apocalyptic novel, his vision of a world decimated by plague and embroiled in an elemental struggle between good and evil. The fate of mankind rests on the shoulders of 108-year-old Mother Abigail and a handful of survivors, as well as a darker embodiment in Randall (laughs) Flagg. Now for the show, we have two big names. We have Benjamin Cavill, who's going to be the showrunner. You'll remember him as the producer for Homeland and Justified. And Josh Boone, executive producer and director of both the premiere and the finale, was director for the movie, The Fault in Our Stars. There's also a whole list of other producers, including Taylor Elmore, Jimmy Miller, Roy Lee, Richard Rubenstein, Jill Killington, Owen King, Uh and Nate Lee. And the stand will close with a new coda written by Stephen King himself. Nice. So that finale episode, we don't really know what that means. Does new mean extended information we never got in the book or some kind of change to the way it ends?
0: I wonder. Now let's discuss our structure, how every episode will be laid out for the CKC. First, we're going to go over the critics' views of that episode and our overall thoughts. Then we'll discuss the title of that specific episode, how does it relate to what we, so- what we watched, What does it mean? And the score of that episode, any music that stands out, did it add to the situation? Did it take away from the situation? Then we move into new faces and places, being introduced to this new character.
1: Yeah, this is important because there are so many characters in the story of The Stand. We are not going to have a Stand 101 cast as we've done with some other shows, including Doctor Who where we really break down all of the background, get into all of the characters, their psychology, and yet it's very important to talk about. This is a central theme from the book. What are the characters going through that we know they're going to dig into? So each episode, we'll talk at the top about who we're seeing for the first time around and what's going on with them.
0: Then we move on to the crow's eye view, which we've used in the past from Game of Thrones, but it makes sense here too, because Randall Flagg's I guess one of the main characters, there's maybe two animal characters in this version, but one of which we know for a fact is a crow.
1: His embodiment, yes. And primarily in the books, it was always the crows. We're going to see there's other ones. We'll get to that. And they were mentioned. They just weren't the primary.
0: Now in this plot, in order to prevent the episode from being too long, we won't go through play-by-play what happened in the show, but we'll pick out key moments and things that are worth discussion.
1: After that, we get into remaining questions. What is still left opening following the episode? Then our dream ratings on a scale of 1 to 10. What do we give that episode? As well as who took the most valuable stand?
0: Now in this, we give our grades, but we also put up a poll on Twitter. So if you're not following us yet, please do so so you can take part in this. Follow us at ckc podcast. There we'll give you three to four potential characters who might have taken the most valuable stand. And there you can put your vote in, and in the comment section, tell us what you thought about the episode and or about that character, and we will discuss it on the cast. This is the digital water cooler part.
1: And of course, if you have other comments not relating to your MVS, but just the episode in general, you can write in contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and we'll read them out on the following episode. And then we finish off with our closer look section. There are some spoilers here. We'll get a closer look into a theme, a character, a development from that episode, and we'll discuss what could be upcoming in the next episode.
0: We forgot to mention, another way to become part of the show during our Clatchers comments is not only to write in, but you can also call in. Don't get nervous. It's just a messaging system we have set up, and if you make a mistake, you can just re-say the sentence, and we'll edit out the mistake. Trust me, we make hundreds of mistakes while recording, and we just edit it out to make ourselves sound smarter. So you can call us at CKC.6606. That's 252-368-6606.
1: Okay, with housekeeping out of the way, let's get to some fun stuff. We'll start out by taking a look at our official trailer. (laughs)
0: i'm scared me too where will we go welcome to the boulder free zone Stu redmond which one of you is larry underwood how do you know who i am how do you think mother abigail all i know is that we dreamed of her and she was real she brought us all together Keep us safe in these uncertain times.
1: This is my to you.
0: I'm in the way of knowing things. I know you feel him. Calls himself the dark man. Mostly I just see his wolf. Mother Abigail told us that there are two sides to the world. There's the good and then there's
1: a deep well of darkness.
0: Oh, my God. I'm Amazing. freaking out. <laughs> oh. Okay, first of all, let's discuss the score. I don't know if this will be the main uh, opening sequence song for the show. Maybe it's just for this trailer, but it works.
1: Very different from the original music that we have, which is in our episode opener, the iconic guitar music. And I thought, I'll never like anything as much as that. You're right, though. I am into this. And between the score, the way things are shot, Mm. the way the trailer is pieced together, I think the overall message is we are getting a darker tone this time around. And I couldn't be more thrilled that that's how they are approaching it. I think that's necessary for the storytelling in 2020.
0: And it does a great job of showing us it's good versus evil, but there's going to be a lot of gray in between.
1: Yeah. So let's say the book begins with the escape of a biological weapon. A virulent form of plague, Captain Trips, (laughs) from a government lab and its destructive path across the United States and the world. With most of humanity wiped out, two distinct sides form in what's left of the U.S. A group of righteous, basically good people who gather in Boulder, Colorado, around an old woman named Mother Abigail and a collection of criminals, malcontents or weak-hearted, who gather in Las Vegas around an evil entity known as Randall Flagg. In these two trailers, we hear Mother Abigail saying, the world is now a blank page, make your stand. We see that some roads are empty, while others are littered with abandoned cars. And there's one very important road leading to the Boulder Free Zone, where Mother Abigail's group are trying to rebuild society. So this is where I would like to begin, because the book does follow... ...a very linear progression. It is broken into three acts, if you will. King calls them books. They're titled 1, Captain Trips, 2, On the Border, and 3, The Stand. And that gives you a pretty good idea. In 1, Captain Trips, it is all about the plague getting out, the apocalypse part of things, the world ending. And then with 2, On the Border, we move into the groups traveling, gathering up together, trying to rebuild... The 94 miniseries also followed pretty much this same progression, but the 2020 version is going to shuffle the chronology, they say, meaning it won't play out the same way. The first episode begins with survivors in masks clearing dead bodies from a neighborhood in Boulder. As we start to meet the major players in the story, we'll flash back to their lives pre-pandemic, hopscotching between life before and after. Cavill says King does this great thing that we made the conscious decision not to do, which is to go to the 10,000-foot view of what's going on. That's not a luxury our people have. What does the apocalypse look like from the ground when you can't see what's happening in other places? You can't see what's happening to other people. You can only see your subjective experience. I didn't want to make the audience sit through three episodes of the world dying before we got to the meat of our story. The Stand has never been about a pandemic, but about the battle that follows between good and evil for what remains of our humanity. Okay. Hmm. Jason, what do you think about this change?
0: I think what it shows is that Cavill has an understanding of the internet of people today. Basically, we like our information quick. We have a question, we Google it, we have the answer right there. And I think what he's doing is he's taking this beautiful story and he's putting it into the eyes of the people of today. And what he's going to do is give us the meat and within that, show us why this is happening. And I think if he does it correctly, it may work.
1: Okay, so So you're pro shuffle.
0: I don't know yet, but the idea, if he pitched it to me, I'd say, that's interesting. Let me see the script. Maybe it'll (laughs) work. But uh, I think it'd be fine because when the 94 version came out, I watched it because my mother was watching it. But I was really young. I was in fourth grade. I was too young. Let's be honest. (laughs) But let's say I was even a teenager then. I think the first couple of episodes might have been difficult for me to get into at that age.
1: Oh, really? Perhaps. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, watching it now as an adult, it's amazing from episode one. So if you do it correctly and you bring us right into what's happening and then you show us how it got there in a clever way, uh, I think it could work. Again, I don't know to what extent are we not going to see the first battle, quote unquote, between Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg where they're trying to recruit. Mm-hmm we have to see that that is so important. That is so intriguing. It's good versus evil. It's the biblical good versus evil. The devil is whispering in one ear, the angels whispering in the other, right?
1: Yes. Let me interrupt you there because I'm mostly anti this shuffle for a couple of reasons. I can definitely appreciate the perspective. And as you say, if the showrunners have done this correctly, it could be really interesting. There is the fact that We've had the novel and the 94 miniseries go chronological. So they want to do something different. Number one, though, what hooked me into both the book and the miniseries was going right into the action of the pandemic, of the outbreak, the fear, the Mm. chaos. This is really the only part of the story that is scary. Once we get to books two and three... On the border and the stand. It's dramatic. It's intriguing. There is some suspense and some mystery, but it's not horror anymore. And the horror is kind of what got me into this. So I'm afraid that I'm actually going to be less initially excited if we're opening up in Boulder, sort of in the middle of things, and then having to wait for the flashbacks to get things piecemeal. Number two, another part of what I found so intriguing, we do get to know the characters come to appreciate them because of their journey. How do they respond to this apocalyptic event? How do they start forming up and coming together? And most of all, are they good or evil? Because while it's pretty clear about certain characters right off the bat, nobody's thinking Stu Redman could be a bad guy and he might wind up in the Vegas group. Absolutely not. He's going to be on the boulder free zone. He's a good guy.
0: And that's not spoiler because it's really obvious as soon as like you see Like
1: moment one. Stu's yeah. one of the first characters you're introduced to. But without naming names, we will get into it eventually. There are other characters who are way more gray and in fact remain gray up until at least half, if not longer Yeah. in the books. Maybe they've gotten into some bad deeds, but there is still a question. They could turn it around. They want to turn it around can there be redemption for them? Sure. So I'm nervous that if we jump right into Boulder and we see who's there versus who's in Vegas...
0: Oh, that'll ruin that. We
1: know right off the bat who's good versus evil. Now, okay, most people are familiar with this story, so the whole concept of spoilers is a little bit silly, but there's got to be some people who are coming to this fresh for the first time, right?
0: I believe so. That's why we are going to try to be conscious of that the whole time. We won't be perfect... Uh, But we may spoil like little things by mistake, but that's the stand, quote unquote, uh, that we're going to take. Devil's Advocate, the horror that you really like, maybe doing it this way will spread the horror throughout the entire series.
1: That's a fair point. We'll get more of it. I was going to give one of my biggest cons, being that while I'm extremely intrigued through the first third of the book, there is definite lag in the second book. Everyone talks about this, how much the 94 miniseries cut from that section, the rebuilding, the politics of things. Again, I won't go into specifics, but it can get a bit boring. Sure. And I think you could be right that the series might be trying to avoid that this time around by interspersing. You get a little of both throughout the whole thing. Dig it. So if that's their mind frame then I think you could be right. Again, this is going to be a very fine line to walk. Mm -hmm. And I think a showrunner has to be mindful and smart about how they're approaching it. Now, I don't have a lot of familiarity with Cavill or Boone, so I'm not really sure of the way that's going to go. I'm excited based off the trailer, for sure.
0: Speaking of the trailer, there are some things we don't know, like that wolf we saw. That is definitely an embodiment, according to the trailer, of Flag. Pure conjecture. Maybe the wolf is him when he's seeing people in dreams and his physical embodiment in the real world will be the crow.
1: Yeah. So another thing we were going to discuss from the trailer is the depiction of Randall Flagg. Now we're not going to get into cast yet because we have a big breakdown on that next. But when he appears in non-human form, we know that previously it was most often as a raven or a crow. But there was talk in the books of other animals, including wolves and weasels predominantly. And I think that if we got all of those a little bit, that would be a fun thing. I'm hoping for, in general, a lot more information from the books that we didn't get in the miniseries, whether that's little tidbits, such as the weasels, um, or big plot points and characters that were completely cut out. I also think the overall look of Flagg, again, is better and a little bit darker. So a big thing that was controversial, fans were very split on it, was what they thought about Jamie Sheridan as Randall Flagg in the 94 miniseries. He's all in denim. He's got the full mullet going on. Mm. He smiles a lot. He was referred to as a rockabilly demon. I really enjoyed him. I thought he struck that right note, but I see the criticisms. He's a little almost goofy at times. (laughs) There's not that sheer charisma of this man draws me in and yet really, really dark of I can be terrified of him. Between Skarsgård as an actor, and we will talk about that, but also how he looks here, I am getting that feeling. He's still got the denim jacket. He's still got the little smiley face button, but I think they're going to modernize him. Good call. A lot of the other things the trailer shows us are introductions to other major characters in this world, presumably from these flashbacks. But it also gives away some potential plot spoilers, so we're going to save those. We'll say some less spoilery things. You know, we do get those iconic clips of characters walking through the corn stalks. In these scenes, everything is sort of bright and daytime versus when Randall Flagg is appearing, we have that bluish darker tint, the hue to all of the shots much like we do in the cover art where Flagg is standing atop a camper with a crow on his arm.
0: Uh, Artistically, this is beautiful. You have high contrast. Again, what you were saying with the blue background, cloudy. There's Randall Flagg. It looks like an accident where a camper hit into a telephone pole, and Randall Flagg is on top of that camper with his crow. But that telephone pole broke, and the top part is separated from the bottom part that's implanted into the ground. That top part looks like... Across.
1: Which, again, if you've read the books, can have multiple meanings. So we will say no more on that note. But fascinating. Yeah, there's just this filter over all of the flag scenes. And I think that'll be a cool visual if they use that within the series a lot. You can see when we're meeting some other characters. In the Vegas scenes, you have the same color, as well as some of the good characters, so to speak. Mother Abigail, when they're confronted with Flag, so she's looking at the wolf, same thing. And there's often a spotlight type of situation. So some of them are on Flag himself. Other times, it's light, moonlight shining in from a window, but it creates the same effect over and over so I like that it looks like they're going to use the visualizations to promote the idea of symbolism and themes, which are so heavy from the original stand story.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm thinking perhaps Mother Abigail's side will be that orangey...
1: Earth-tone.
0: Earth-tone feel, yeah. yeah. Which our podcast cover currently looks like.
1: And now you make me wonder if clothing is going to play into that at all as well. Because, you know, Stu kind of has this iconic brownish colored jacket that he wears throughout most of the miniseries. Mm. And it seems that Marsden's going to have that as well. As we mentioned, I'm going to save some of the other things from the trailer that are massively plot spoilerish type things. In fact, I was surprised that they included them here. We're going to go on to the cast comparison next and just talk about who is in each role versus their 94 counterpart. Now, there are a lot of characters here, so we're going to try to go through them quickly and we're not going to get to absolutely everyone. But of course, we begin with Stu Redman played in the 94 version by none other than Gary Sinise. And I've said this a bunch, but I thought no one could live up to Gary Sinise in my mind. He would always be Stu Redman until I found out it was James Marsden.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to do a good job with this role.
1: He looks so excellently cast within the trailer, just the perfect Stu. Now, Stu is a Texas good old boy who was there at the start of the outbreak. We get quite a few shots of him within the trailer. I think it's interesting how we see the meeting between him and Larry Underwood. But again, he just seems like the nice, warm, welcoming, let's bring everybody together type.
0: Our next character is Franny Goldsmith, who in the 94 version was played by none other than Molly Ringwald. I think she did a great job in this character. And I always remember Molly from... Breakfast Club.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say Pretty in Pink. Now, that was a criticism from some people that she was kind of typecast into that role from so many of those was the other 16 Candles. Mm. And they had a hard time getting away from that with the 94 series, as well as perhaps she didn't quite have enough depth.
0: Well, the 2020 version is going to have Odessa Young. Admittedly, I don't know much about her, but I think that might be a good thing. Maybe they're trying to avoid what happened in 94. Or I'm just ignorant and she is well-known and I'm just not aware of her.
1: Well, I do think they're taking a different approach because Elmore says they focus very much on the story of Fran. What is a modern woman's motivation in this position, a 20-year-old who is a formidable force this time around? So I think you're going to hear a lot more of her voice come through clearly and not just her relationship with Stu, which is a central focus. But of course, that takes us to the next character of Harold Lauder, played in the 94 version by Corin Nemec. And here by Owen Teague. And I always thought that Corin Nemec was, again, good casting. And right off the bat, Owen Teague has the same kind of look to him, to my mind.
0: We are going over this with no knowledge of how these new characters are going to come about or how they'll be played. So we're guesstimating here.
1: He is Franny's oddball neighbor who's always harbored these uncomfortable feelings towards her. He's a bit of a strange dude, can't quite figure himself out or what his place is in everything.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's something I got out of the 94s. There's a little bit of him in everybody, especially growing up.
1: Yeah, well, also between him and Larry Underwood, which we'll get to in just a second, there's this ongoing idea of, I know who I was before the world ended. Mm. Can I be someone different now? Am I still chained to that, or is that only in my mind? So without revealing anything further about their arcs, I always found them to be two of the most intriguing characters in our story. And then, of course, we have Glenn Bateman, played in the 94 version by Ray Walston, and in the 2020 by Greg Kinnear. Now, this was a really interesting choice because Ray Walston is clearly much older. And I think he was supposed to be a much older man in the novel. He is a widowed sociology professor who has a lot of thoughts about everything. (laughs) (laughs) The world, the position we find ourselves in, he gives a unique voice to what's happening around us. And as different as this casting is, I really like Greg Kinnear, and I think that he's the type of actor who could play this just right. Sure.
0: Next, we have Larry Underwood. In the 94 version, was played by Adam Storkey, And in this version, Giovanna Depot. Now, what I remember of this character is he played guitar. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like uh, too cool for school.
1: <laughs> yes, he was a singer who scores his first hit single. He gets his first Big break right before the world ends. Mm. And so there's a lot of interesting things that go along with that. Again, I really enjoyed Adam Storkey's performance. He hit that right mixture for me. He's a little bit arrogant, he's kind of an ass. <laughs> he doesn't really know who he is. The trouble is, I don't know anything about Yovana Depot. I haven't seen him in anything. From what the trailer shows. He seems to be, I don't know, more cynical or more troubled the way he's playing the character.
0: Oh, maybe. I'm curious. I think this is going to be interesting to see how they change it. hmm It might be a different character altogether.
1: It could be. I mean, we know we're going to see a key interaction here that we did not get the first time around because they didn't include Rita Blakemore in the original series. She was kind of rolled in with uh, a couple of other characters. Mm-hmm. But we are going to get a depiction here played by Heather Graham. And so there's a shot in the trailer of Adipo and Graham together looking out on the city. And I really, really like that. When I talk about some key characters or plot things that we did not get in the miniseries, I think that Larry's interactions with Rita are so critical to what's happening with his character arc. And you just kind of miss something by not having that. So I'm really, really excited that they're going to do it. But that neatly takes us to our next character of Nadine Cross. In the 94, Laura Sangiacomo. And 2020, Amber Heard. Uh, This is tough for me. I never quite knew how to feel about Sangiacomo.
0: Same here. I mean, I love her as an
1: actress. I do too. And the look is great. She has these very striking features that make you interested in her. Really good facial expressions. But sometimes she's a little too over the top in the miniseries depiction. And I also think the character did struggle just because they were trying to roll in these multiple storylines with her. And then they kind of wanted to get into some stuff that happens with her later on, but not really. And so it wasn't all her fault, is what I want to say. Uh, But I think that there is a way for Amber Heard to really improve upon that performance. And then also just to briefly mention, we're going to have Joe played in this 2020 version by Gordon Cormier.
0: Next, we have Nick Andros, who is played by Rob Lowe <laughs> in the 94 version, and this time reprised as Henry Zaga. Those are big shoes to fill.
1: Wow, yeah. I mean, okay, so we know that Nick Andros plays a deaf man who understands human nature quite well. He's very intuitive, but he is not often well understood. And to put it simply, he encounters a a series of unfortunate events. Rob Lowe was such a huge figure. And I did like parts of what he did with Nick Andros. Again, I see room for improvement there, but I'm not too familiar with Henry Zaga, so I don't know what that's going to mean. But I'm thinking of specifically his pairings with certain other key characters and how he interacts with them. I think that's going to be critical. So next up, we have Tom Cullen. In the 94, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Bill... Fagerbak, maybe? But in the 2020, Brad William Henke, who you might know, I recognize him from Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. And many other roles in the past. Big boy. Yeah. Now, I mean, physically, these two actors are very, very different in the look of them.
0: But physically, they're both menacing. I mean, just their size. Could, could be. Yeah.
1: Could be. Yeah. Based on their size. Now, here's the deal. The 94 version, though, there isn't innocence to Bill's face that even though he is tall just upon looking at him I think oh but he's a sensitive man Mm -hmm. there's something about Brad William Henke that I could be terrified of him and I think he's gonna struggle to capture the innocence and and pureness of this and he's gonna have to do a lot with his performance to sell that to me though I do really enjoy him as an actor and I also wonder what they're going to do with the character. Man, it's going to be difficult to talk about this, but I noticed that no other articles are really mentioning it, and perhaps because they don't know what to say. But in the novels, a big thing going on with Tom Cullen is that he has a developmental disability. And some people thought that that was really exaggerated in the 94 version, uh, perhaps to the extreme, and I think because they were just pulling a lot of that from what was directly in the source material. Mm. I'm sure that in the 2020 version, they're going to want to change some of that. So what does that look like for Hanky? I really don't know.
0: Next, we have Mother Abigail. Yeah, here Who, we go. She was played by Ruby D in 94 and now will be played by Whoopi Goldberg. I think I'm excited
1: for this. I think this is going to be amazing. This was one of the first huge drops that we got about the show when they were slowly revealing characters over the course of time. We knew about Marsden, but next up, one of the really large ones was Whoopi Goldberg. My initial reservations were that she's too well-known, and I was afraid I would never be able to see anything except Whoopi looking at her. That, mm-hmm. you know, this is can't be Mother Abigail in my mind, the way that Ruby Dee was. And the teaser trailer didn't do much to help with that. But this extended trailer, I am starting to feel more of the Mother Abigail presence coming from her. Um, Combined with the fact that Whoopi is just, even with the aging up process, not nearly old enough looking. I mean, Mother Abigail is supposed to be 108 years old in the book. She's the oldest living woman in the U.S. Mm. (laughs) Um, So they've done some work, you know, to make Whoopi look older. But to me, it was just like, well, it's still nowhere near 108. But I do think as an actress, she is just going to be phenomenal here. Moving along to Lloyd Henry in the 94 version played by Miguel Ferrer, who I must admit, I was never, I was never completely sold on this. There just wasn't a lot to him. In the 2020 version, he's played by Nat Wolf. And again, one of the most noteworthy things is that he's clearly much younger, mm. And I've said before, I actually think that this could be a good thing to see how somebody of that age is more influenced uh, by a character like Randall Flagg. I don't know a lot about this actor either, but much like some of the others, I get a darker sense to the way he's depicting things. So we will see where that goes. And
0: nearing the end, we have Julie Laurie, originally played by Shawnee Smith, and this time by Catherine McNamara.
1: And you've also got the, the rat woman, They've retitled it. character was originally called The Rat Man and played by Rick Aviles, but in a major reveal is going to be played by Fiona Dorif. And that's one of a couple gender swaps that we have because there's also another character called Ray Brentner in the books who this time around is going to be played by Irene Bedard. And then there's going to be a couple of characters that we're not really sure who they're playing. So there's one called Cobb played by Daniel Sinjata. And we really like this actor from Rescue Me. But it's unclear, is he going to be one of the medical professionals early on that we see with the CDC? Is he going to be part of a military group later? There's definitely going to be some mashups and some changes. That also includes Dr. Ellis, played by Hamish Linklater. So we can't do a whole lot of speculating there. But last and certainly not least, Mm -hmm. our best and biggest reveal, Jason
0: is Randall Flagg, who we have mentioned in the 94 version was played by Jamie Sheridan, is now played by Alexander Skarsgård. And I couldn't be happier with this. This is going to be amazing.
1: I could probably just ramble on all day. (laughs) I mean, number one about how I love the Skarsgårds, every single one of them. Alexander was phenomenal in Big Little Lies. This is what got me most psyched about this version was hearing that he was cast to play Randall Flagg. And I think the trailer only furthers that for me. I'm most interested to see what he does with that. I think he's going to be amazing.
0: I think he will be the standout role when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. I first became aware of him in True Blood. And then since then, uh, I've been a big fan of him, his father, his other brothers, two or three other brothers. It's crazy how many are out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got Bill Skarsgård, Of course, who's been in other Stephen King properties as of late, namely It, but also the Castle Rock series. I I really like him as well. He plays a very different kind of character, but the first Skarsgård that I was made aware of, obviously, was Stellan, the father. Yeah. And we just talked about him, funny enough, not too long ago from Deep Blue Sea.
0: And then, of course, Gustav Skarsgård from Vikings, who is amazing in that as well. That family is just littered with talent.
1: <laughs> yeah. An embarrassment of riches, you could say. Now, there are some other characters that remain questionable. I don't see them posted. I'm not sure if they're going to be a part of things. Uh, Susan Stern, played by Cynthia Garris in the 94. Dana Jurgens, Lucy Swan... Judge Ferris, who I have to believe they're going to put in there. And after we release this episode, there might be further information given. But I have to say two of the most conspicuous absences. First, the trash can man. Uh, (laughs) Matt Frewer in the 94 version. He was amazing. I'm in love with Matt Frewer. There's been a lot of talk surrounding this, including rumors that this could be played by Marilyn Manson. Oh, right, right, right. And... I stopped hearing about that, so I don't know if that was just a pure rumor, but you cannot find the listing, and IMDb has quite a few names up there, even to some of the really secondary cast. I have to believe this is going to be someone big that they're leaving out there hanging for us not to know about. I would like to see Trash Can Man get an even larger role in this 2020 because he's just so fascinating. But, of course, because you didn't dive as deeply into him, but also because he's problematic, you have the kid. And the kid was not in the 94 series. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how you do that, admittedly. It's going to be really tough. But I'm hopeful that we might get to see that character this time. Well, that's going to do it for cast for the moment. As we mentioned, this could really just go on forever.
0: Yeah, if you're listening to us from the future, it is October right now. So we're really early on this. And I'm sure by the time first episode airs, we're going to know a lot more.
1: I just want to mention a few more quick things from the trailer. So it is going to be impossible for us to keep these episodes spoiler free. In our episode review, we will still have a spoiler section on the next up. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people just don't want to watch the previews or the information, the episode titles about things like that. But when it comes to the general storyline, we have to presume that a lot of people already have awareness of this between the book and the 94 series, and there's just no way to adequately talk about and analyze things without discussing spoilers. Um, I did save this part, though, because there are a few key ones here. So I'm going to give you this warning right up front. Now, it's in the trailer. I mean, the pictures are there, but you might not really know what it is to put it together. So if you are worried about that, you can skip forward just a couple of minutes. One of the big reveals that we see is that it appears we're going to see the plot revolving around what they call the zoo in the books. And this is you see a female character sort of running away, screaming and crying with a a semi, a huge truck in the background. So that seems to be the introduction to that. There's also another shot of a house being blown up. And if you have read the books, you know that that was a huge plot point for the culmination of what's happening in the Boulder Free Zone with the committee, and signals a major turning point for one of our characters, as well as the loss of some other characters, really important people. So again, you wouldn't be able to make that connection. But finally, you end the trailer with this shot of four of our big characters, Glenn, Ray, or Ralph (laughs) from the 94, Stu And Larry Underwood walking down the road. And this is going to be the part where they make their walk to take their stand. The ultimate walking tour as they head to Vegas. So what that tells me is that the show also knows that predominantly people watching this have a familiarity. That they're not going to try too hard to avoid spoilers either. Otherwise, those things wouldn't be in the trailer. But speaking of that, we also have a listing of seven out of the ten episode titles. We know that episode one is called The End. Two will be Pocket Savior, and that's a reference to Larry from the books because that was the title of his album Uh that he was releasing. Uh, Three is Blank Pages, and I think this is a reference to Franny's Diary, a big point. Four is The House of the Dead, and I'm thinking that could be Stu when he escapes from the CDC Medical Center. Uh, Five is Suspicious Minds. Six is The Vigil, and seven is The Walk. We don't know 8, 9, or 10, except that, as I said, we know Stephen and Owen King are going to be writing the finale with Josh Boone directing it. And we're going to get whatever this original version of the ending is from King. All of that being said, Jason, this was kind of long-winded when we said we were going to try to keep it short. What can you do? We've been thrilled to talk about this with all of you we can't wait to be coming back and doing episode reviews with a story that we love so dearly. What are the big things you're looking for from this 2020 version?
0: I'm looking forward to the Stephen King storytelling being littered throughout this. The thought-provoking segments of the righteous and the wrong. Uh, amazing visuals, of course. And uh, Guard. i I'm just always looking forward to. My, I, I really anticipate uh, sitting with anticipation for how he's going to depict this character.
1: <laughs> Aren't we all? Is there anything you're hoping that they will change or do differently from the 94 series? Other than, of course, the chronology, which we mentioned at the top?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, without being like too spoily. I I don't think so.
1: Okay. Um, you know, as I said, some of these characters maybe we didn't get the first time around. The kid, Rita, we know we are getting... But I still want a lot of the faithfulness to the book. There are areas that, in my head, I'm going, please just don't change that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And most of all, as I mentioned, I'm really hopeful that even though we are going to flip up, do this back and forth with flashbacks thing, that we still get a decent amount of the downfall, uh, the plague and the apocalyptic type sections. It concerns me a little that Cavaliers Cavill says they're not too concerned with focusing on that. That's not the main storyline. How much of that does it mean they're removing? I do want to see the battle between good and evil. But there's an impetus for why they're doing this. And I'm also a little concerned if the current state of the world will have affected how much of that they chose to include.
0: I was filmed way before this happened.
1: It is something though that a lot of the early articles talked about and their concern for the timing of it when they were releasing it, but they were very quick to tell you how they believed. Ultimately, King's tale was one of hopefulness. For um, sure. yeah. So where do they mix and match that? I guess, and I'm hoping we still get enough. But character-wise, yeah, I think Stew with James Marsden and Flag with Alexander Skarsgard are the two big sells for me. Any last thoughts on the stand?
0: Uh, no, uh, we just ask our clatchers if you are listening to this and you enjoy it, and if you're new, welcome by the way be sure to rate and review this channel, the Stand channel for us over on iTunes. It only helps us. It helps other people know about us. Subscribe, of course, and tell your friends about us.
1: Yes, if you've been following us and you've already left us reviews on, say, the regular CKC channel, we're sorry to ask you for that again, but it is a major factor, especially because we have been off the free channels for so long, and we really want to be part of this community. We are thrilled to be doing this. So as much as you can spread the word... We would really appreciate it. We can't wait to get this digital water cooler back up and running.
0: In the meantime, you could always go back to our other channels or uh, follow us over at Patreon to listen to exclusive episodes, movie reviews, bonus episodes, coffee breaks, guided imageries.
1: If you are a Stephen King fan, we mentioned that we've done a couple of movies within that universe. They have included Gerald's Game, It Chapters 1 and 2, and Dr. Sleep.
0: And The Shining coming this month.
1: That's coming up soon. So on this channel, The Stand, we will be back in December. But until then, you come see me anytime.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter
1: and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC
0: Podcast. This round is on me.